It's me, Dan, from Harmontown. You can hear episodes of our show and 30 others before anyone else on TuneIn First Play. The TuneIn app is a free mobile audio app available across iOS, Android, and Windows. Podcast superfans get even more from their favorite shows. For four weeks, new episodes of Harmontown will be available a full 24 hours early, exclusively on TuneIn. Podcasts will release their new episodes early, including feral audio shows like Drinky Fun Time, Dome People Town, and Natural. Butte. Tune in is also full of content like live sports, news, music, and audiobooks. Get the next episode of Harmontown right now at the TuneIn app at tunein.com slash Harmontown. Welcome first time, welcome second time, welcome whatever time your time is to be here right now inside the sound that I'm making, that I'm doing here on Twisting the Wind. I'm Johnny Pemberton. I am Twisting the Wind. You are too. Every time you open up your mouth, clap your hands, stomp your feet, hit a piece of wood, you know, do a voice, impersonate someone, do a sound of an animal maybe. Grackle, growl, hiss, snap, whistle, boom, twist in the wind, y'all, you did it. Thanks for being here, thanks for listening to this. I sure have a lot of fun making this, I gotta say, I'm very happy to have found this thing to do. It feels really great, and it feels great that anyone at all, even two people listen to it, makes me happy, just because, ah, I just like being able to do this. I like taking, I'm taking pride in my work. It's not really work, but <laughs> it's something like that. I have to do it. So thank you. I urge you to take pride in your work too, whatever it is. It's a great thing. I used to live in a building downtown Los Angeles, and it's an older building from maybe 1920, something like that. And I had this old mural on the wall downstairs in the basement, like sort of a, a hallway that no one ever walked down. It wasn't so much a mural as like a as a big piece of writing, and these nice big letters. Each letter was about the size of my head or so. You know, pretty pretty big letters, and this nice sort of brownish orange lettering, block lettering that had beveled edges, and it said really big, "Take pride in your work." And I always thought that was a great thing to see because it was, it was something in this basement. No one would ever see it, but someone spent a lot of time to paint that. It's not. It's not. It wasn't especially artistic, but it was. It looked nice, and it's. Uh, I like thinking about the person who painted that was some person working down in that basement, doing something kind of kind of inconsequential, but still, they took pride in their work. I think you should do the same thing. Okay, let's get a little bit closer now to potential enlightenment. You know, just like a big, big pile of shit. Wouldn't that be great if that's how you were enlightened? You accidentally stepped in a giant 
pile of... How'd you become enlightened? Oh, I just stepped in this uh, giant pile of shit. On purpose? Oh, no, it was an accident. It was a total accident, and then I just... My mind woke up, and now I know everything and nothing at the same time, and it's really great. Cool. So hopefully that will happen now with this nice little, um, this great interview I have on the podcast today. His name is Lee Weaver. He's an older gentleman, much older than me, has experienced some incredibly cool shit. The sec- I talked to them for, like, when we first met, I talked to them for about, you know, a few minutes, and then I realized this guy needs to be talked to a lot more because he, he's been around some of the, He's been privy to some of the coolest uh, musical experiences that have happened in the 20th century. No f- no joke, man, okay? This guy was there. He lived it. He lived these things that are, that have, that are legendary now. They're absolutely legendary. So, we're going to hear it. Are you ready? Okay. Hey, I'm going to give somebody a call real quick and make sure that's going to be okay. Great. Uh, don't cough now. Hey. Yeah, looking for that uh, Days of Wine and Roses. Hey. Hey. Catalog Shark Change. Such a beautiful song, a beautiful melody. I want to know the melody. You put that melody inside of me. Put your melody deep inside of me. just heard that song what movie was that from uh the oh the hold music i don't know actually was that days of wine and roses um i don't know i'll ask and see if anyone knows maybe tango and tango and cash god just yeah, I'll, I'll ask i don't think i don't know if anyone actually knows or not but i'll, I'll oh, see if anyone what about does. herbie man is that his name I honestly have no idea. I don't think I've actually even ever heard the whole music. Oh, because you've never called yourself, have you? I- exactly, yeah. <laughs> that would be funny um, if you did. Do some people do that there? They just love their jobs so much, they're just like, I'm going to call myself. 
I wouldn't be surprised. Was really? there any chance that it had like a flute in the background? No, it had a flute. Playing? It had a very prominent flute. This guy says it was, it's, uh, it's a pan flute song. Oh, that was no pan flute. I know a pan. someone named Yanni. Y-A-N-N-I. No, okay, for one, it's not someone named Yanni. Yanni is incredibly famous. Yanni is one of the most famous musicians in the world. He played at the Acropolis oh. in Rome. Do you know that? For the, um, He played for the emperor or whatever they call the guy who's in charge of Rome now. He played for him at the Acropolis, which is like the ruins, which is really hard. Like only like Sting and maybe Pavarotti have played there. So Yanni's like kind of a big deal. You know that drummer, This you know the Smashing Pumpkins? Yeah. That band, well, their drummer, Jimmy Chamberlain, he uh, studied with Yanni's drummer. And Yanni's drummer is like oh. really kind of a hot shiz. So... Cool. I'm just, well, I just, did not know right. that. <laughs> well, I do think that music, if it was Yanni, there must have been a different flute in there because I heard a distinctive like metal flute, not a pan flute. It was still a flute, though. Maybe. I don't know. May, I, I, they, that person could be wrong, too. I think he... Was he joking? No, I think he, he probably just doesn't really know either. <laughs> Gosh. Shot in the dark, huh? Just calling it out. He was just calling. I it bet he was. Been, he might have been close. I don't know. Maybe he could have been. I I don't know. I'm not familiar with his catalog. But yeah, maybe it's like a collaboration or a cover. Who knows? <laughs> could be a combination. It could be a collaboration with a, a notable flautist. Um, this Joshua Redman. I think he sticks mostly to saxophone. He's kind of a fey guy. He went to Harvard though. Very smart. He's sort of like a prince. Like a like a prince was less gay but more fey. So yeah, you definitely have to be smart to go to Harvard, though. Or you got to have the money. Oh, well, there's that, too. <laughs> Remember that part of the Big Lebowski? The money, Lebowski. Uh, the money. Oh, my God, that guy's accent. Yes. Yeah, I remember do. he's like, the money, Lebowski, the money. Is that how he does it? Love that movie. He was That's like... The best movie ever. He was like, the money, Lebowski, the money. Something like that, yeah. He goes like, um, the money, Lebowski, the money, give me that money. No, it's not. It's more like, um, <laughs> it's like, it's more like, uh, the money. Ugh, I can't do it. I'm trying to think. The money, Lebowski, the money. Is that it? <laughs> that sounds a bit. That sounds more like it. Yeah. Le or is it more like? The money, Lebowski, the money. <laughs> Could be. I don't know. It's been a while. I haven't seen that one in a while. That's a good one. That oh, one, God, yeah. I love that's, that part. That's a classic. Remember that part when he's like, Hey, man, that rug really put the room in the same... Hey, man, that rug really put the room together. That oh, was, the, that was a great... He loved that rug. He loved that rug. He did. Um... It's funny because he didn't know he loved it until it got taken away, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like so yeah. many things in life, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, you know, you don't know until rug. you don't know what you're missing until the water well runs dry. Yeah. You no, know, I think exactly. it's you don't know what you're missing until the water drum tells time. What? You don't know what you've been missing till the water drum tells time. Really? I always heard that if you don't know what it's what you're missing until it's gone, but <laughs> right, it's like a butterfly kiss. Yeah, I don't think I'm using that. What is a butterfly kiss? 
Uh, I can't say I've ever had one. I don't know. <laughs> Man. Well, it sounds like... Uh, wish I could have one of those, because that's, that, that's, that's a movie, right? Butterfly Kisses? Mm, Butterflies. Maybe. Butterfly. I've seen the butterfly effect. <laughs> butterfly pictures, but you die. It's not us. What movie is that? That song. Butterfly but you want Trump on the name. No, how's it go? I'm not too sure. Um, hey, the between the lights, kind of calls the mama don't shut on the magnet. What is that? It's like theme song to that movie with um, Jacob Crinch, Jacob French, Jacob. Cr- cr- it's a K sound. Jacob K- Kl- Kr- K- He was in Lebowski. He was in Lebowski. He was, um... He, he played Lebowski's, um... L- okay, who, wait. Who was the guy who said, The money, Lebowski, the money... Uh, let's see here. I think... Just look at the cast list. Yeah. Oh, that would be a good idea. It's loading. Do you know what's funny? This is just totally relevant. But I guess then they, when they test out toilets, they use uh, miso instead of poop. I heard this on the, <laughs> I heard this on the radio today. Oh. It was weird about the radio. Let's see. Okay, cast list. Uh, it doesn't say who was playing who. doesn't say anything about that. Hmm. Not Steve Buscemi, right? Um, he was in that, right? Yeah, he was in that too. Um, oh. no one, no Jacobs in what it. What about that? There's a, there's a Jack Keller. What about that? Hello? Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I can you can you hear me? Yeah. I can hear you. Jeez. Somebody's off my phone. 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 Thank you for calling Moot Media North America. Speaking, how can I help you? Yeah, I'm just curious. Um, is this working here? Are we I'm good? sorry. Are you doing it? Is it good? Is it good? Are you hearing me through here or not? Are you asking me? Yeah. Is what good? Oh, just is this good? The call? Is it hearing it? Oh, yeah, I can hear you. Oh, good. Woof. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, talking to this guy here, he knows a lot about music. You know, he uh, grew up in the six. He grew up... Well, he grew up in the... F- uh, wow, well, how do I see? He grew up born in, like, 1930, I think. But he... Um, <laughs> he just knows a lot of jazz musicians, right? He's like in touch with those guys back in the sixties and stuff. Back when that was like the heyday in New York, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, who? Like, what's your favorite jazz artist? Mm, I'm not really into jazz. Okay, so. that's, that's okay. That's fine. Well, Bill Evans. He knew Bill Evans when he first. You know, he beat Bill Evans to the scene, and Bill mm-hmm. is kind of a kind of an important guy. You know, he was friends with Miles. This guy would give him all kinds of stuff. His name is, his name is Lee Weaver. He's uh, he's a great guy. I'm about to talk to him. And I was wondering about making that a song. Can you guys make anything a song? Um, well, we don't really make songs. Mm-hmm. We typically just take, like, songs from artists. Uh-huh. Um, so, like, if you were to make something into a song and had one and you wanted to submit it over to us really? to play, 
then we would consider that, but we don't actually make the songs. What does it take to make the cut? Um, honestly, you would have to speak to someone um in our submissions department, right. and everyone's already gone for the day. How about you? What do you then? What do you do? Um, I work in the customer care center, more along okay. the lines of like troubleshooting um, problems with the systems and things like that. What's like a typical problem? Um, typical problem may just be that the music isn't playing. Um, that sounds pretty. That's probably good. most common. The music is not playing. That's a pretty good one. Right? Yeah, that's probably the most common issue. You know, customers call in because their music's not working at all. Those are probably pretty much older people, right? Um, no, not really. I mean, it's a lot of business owners, so I mean, the age, age so, range age varies. Age is full, full on ranging, huh? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just trying to figure out how the best to introduce this guy. You know, he's not like a very well-known person, but doesn't mean doesn't mean you're not worthy to talk to. You know what I mean? What exactly are you trying to accomplish? Because I don't know that you know this might be the right avenue. You don't think so? You think I'm on the wrong path in life? Um. Well, no. I'm just saying. Like, are you? Like I said, we typically just assist customers clients with like right. music systems and things like that now if you're going along the lines of trying to make a song yeah i don't think that you know we would be able to really assist with that part of it right what if i'm I'm really tired right now how would i not be tired do you have an idea for that <laughs> uh, sounds like you would need to get some rest <laughs> you think, see that's good you say get rest a lot of people would say drink coffee see that's a good, <laughs> that's a great thing a lot of people their outlook is you have a problem if you're tired, if something's not working right, pump some drugs into it. Pump. Oh, yeah, no. Put some input. <laughs> but what you said makes a lot more sense. You know, it's not, if you're tired, you should rest. Right, just some good old-fashioned sleep. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's that's a very wise thing to say. I say you're probably wise beyond your years. And I'm about to talk to Lee Weaver, who is just plain old, plain old wise. He's an old elder man. I think he's, if you're born in 1930, that makes you 80-something, uh, right? Right, right. Man, he does not look it, though. This guy... Moves. He's a. He's a. Definitely all there. You know what I'm saying? 100 percent there. Mm-hmm. Right. He's got a chance to meet a lot of people that. Man, I would. I can't. I can't imagine being alive in the. Uh, in New York in the in the 60s. Right. And with all these 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 cats, these jazz musicians. You know, that's some that's some <laughs> wisdom right there. Right. That's a little lick. Yeah, well, um, look, I'm going to talk to him a little bit, and I think I might be able to gain some insight, then I'll call you back, and we'll figure out this song thing, okay? I think okay. You, you should probably get his music in there, too, okay? Lee Weaver. All right. Great vocalist. Well, Hello? Yes, I'm still here. Oh, cool. I, my, my thing's messing up. Okay, keep on. Uh, we're going we're gonna to talk to him, and I'll, and I'll have him talk to you, okay? Okay, great. Have a good evening. Wishes and dreams. Thanks. Bye-bye. 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 Right. So, Lee, where are you from originally? I was born in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And what, yeah. This is like what? About around 1930. 1930, exactly. Mm-hmm. Wow, 1930, okay. It was a paradise, man. Really? Oh, yeah. What was so great about it back then? Well, nobody really knew where it was. Right. Until after the Second World War. Okay. And everything was so, I mean, it was like all kind of fruit trees and things. Right. Coconut, mangoes, guavas, pineapple. I mean, all kinds of fruit, fishing, you wow. know. I thought I was rich until I was about nine years old, cause, <laughs> and I, I asked my, my mom for a, a pony. Uh-huh. And she said, no, 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 no. 
We got broccoli. We had everything. We had a cow. Wow. We had chickens and So you grew up on a farm, basically. No, this was right in the city. Okay, so it wasn't a farm. You just had like... Well, Florida, South Florida was always a tropical kind of a Mm -hmm. place, you know, and it was like for tourists. Right. But only a few people that really knew about it, Uh you know. And uh, it was fabulous for me, man, because... The weather was fantastic, but every every year we'd have a hurricane. Okay. At that time, hurricanes started in September, but now they said that they started all year in round, right? June or something, yeah. you know, having a hurricane, mm-hmm. you know, and they had the Atlantic Ocean there, you know. So the Second World came, Second World War came about. Um, you know, people were saying, you know, but didn't anybody know what was really happening? Mm-hmm. But the Japanese used to come and collect metal. Right. I would go like a little kid, eight, ten years old. I'd go and find all these iron and whatnot and sell it, you know. Mm-hmm. 1941, then they bombed Pearl Harbor. Right. I said, oh, wow. Everybody thought the world was coming to an end. Yeah. You know. So you were still in Florida when that happened, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I left Florida. Well, I didn't. I, leave, I left Florida when I came out of the service in 54. So what time, when did you enter the service? How old were you then? I was... Uh, I went in uh, twenty two. Twenty two. And where did where did you uh, where did they send you? I went. I bought. Uh, I was drafted. They sent me to Fort Jackson, South Carolina. Okay, it's not that far That's away. Where really. I took, right. That's where I took my basic training, right. infantry. And I left Fort Jackson, South Carolina, to go. They sent me overseas to Salzburg, Austria. Wow. I did uh, at uh, Fort Jackson. I was trained for an infantry soldier. Mm-hmm. But when I was on, the, we were on the ship on the way to Europe. This guy, this this officer said that there was, if there were any guys that were in in the that was there that could change their MOS if they had did something on the outside. When I was at the low, the totem pole, the bottom of the totem pole mm-hmm. as an infantry soldier. Right. So I told the guy I'd been to school for printing. You know, he said, "Oh yeah, you you could change your MOS." Yeah, okay. So when we got to uh, Leghorn, Italy. Uh, they asked guys if they wanted to change the MOS from whatever. What does MOS stand for? Uh, MOS was the method of your status. You know, your MOS is your infantry soldier, or if you're a technician, if you're a driver. It was like the your status of of of, of operation. Right. Okay. Something like that. I don't. I so you got to change yours because you had printmaking. Yeah, and I went to. Uh, I was transferred to the 69th Engineer Topographic Company cool. in Salzburg, South Carolina. I mean, Salzburg, <laughs> Austria. Right. <laughs> so how long were you in Salzburg for? I, how was I what? How long were you there for? Two years. Two years? Yeah. It was nice, too, man. We were stationed right in the middle of Salzburg, mm-hmm. kept an overnight pass. I went all over Europe while I was there. So you couldn't do anything crazy when you were in Austria? Did I do anything what? Did you get into anything crazy when you were in Austria? Did I get anything crazy? Did you get into anything like, you know? No, 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 no. I just travel a lot. Okay. I just, we had a, a commanding officer who told us to take advantage of being in Europe. Which to meant? To see as much as okay. you can. I went as far north as Malmo, Sweden. Wow. And as far south as uh, Italy, uh, Naples, Italy. Did you ever date any Austrian girls? Oh, man, I dated all kinds of girls, <laughs> man. It was it was fabulous, you know, I I almost re-upped, but I said, no, I think my luck may change. And, uh, you know, they may start another war or whatever, but it was fabulous. I had, it was only about 70 guys in this outfit that we were. 
You guys were all. We were all, and we were stationed right there in the middle of Salzburg. So it was fabulous. So after you uh, finished that, you um, went back to the States after you finished your tour? They sent me back to the States. Mm -hmm. I got discharged into Fort Fort Jackson, South Carolina. And because I had uh, in the service, the printing that they had did in the service was offset. Mm -hmm. The printing that I was taught was letterpress. Okay. So I went to New York to improve my uh, printing abilities. Right. So I went to uh, this school called Empire Linotype School. I ended up as a linotype operator. Mm-hmm. At the time in New York, you couldn't work at any printing shops, especially newspapers, unless you were a member of the union. Okay. So what happened, uh, I worked in a little city outside of New York called Haverstraw. And I set type for this newspaper, the Haverstraw News or something. Then I got a job at a printing shop in Manhattan, mm-hmm. uptown. And uh, I set type there, and I worked at the post office. I had two jobs, working at the post office and setting type in Manhattan. So what happened, uh, I finally got up enough uh, speed on the linotype machine to go down and take an exam for a member of International Typographical Union. So what I, year do you think it was around this time? This was 54, 55. 54, okay. 50, yeah, 55, 56. So you're living in New York City. Yeah, I lived in 1955. Yeah, from 50, well, the later part of 54, 55, 54 till 66. Got it. And so you're about like, what, 25 at this point? When I got to uh, New York, I was 24. 24. I left when I was 36. I came out here in 66. Got it. So you're doing, so you're doing the line type thing and you, you, you learned to do that. Yeah. And then you got, you say you got, after you learned that, you got a job. You yeah, the New York Times. New York Times. Yeah. Well, see, at that time they had about oh man, there was so much printing. It was about eight papers in New York, mm-hmm. and uh, I would just float around, you know, because I'm single, mm-hmm. and I really I was trying to really work out a way that I could work four days a week instead of five, uh-huh. you know. That's and I was yeah, I would work around. I would. At the, at the times, you would work overtime on Thursday nights because that's when they started doing all the ads and printing for the Sunday Times, for the Sunday paper, rather. <clears throat> and I would float it you, on Sundays. You, I'd go over to the Daily News and work because it wasn't that much work to be done over time. Uh, I would go down to the uh, downtown at the Post because mm-hmm. on Thursday night you would have overtime. So I was trying to accumulate enough time as an overtime to accommodate for four days of working instead of five. Nice. And at that time, too, but a lot of guys were being discharged during that era. And a friend of mine who was who turned out to be a fabulous jazz musician, Cannonball Adley. Okay, right. He were all, we were all in school together at Florida A&M. So he came to New York. His brother was there first. His That's brother, Nat, right? Nat Adley, yeah. Okay. He played with Lionel Hampton. Mm-hmm. So uh, he was in New York playing with Lionel Hampton, and Charlie Parker died. Mm-hmm. And because Cannon was kind of reluctant about coming to New York because he was right. teaching in Florida and he was doing, he was selling cars, playing his horn. He said, like, why leave, right? Huh? He didn't, he didn't see reason no, to No, he didn't see any reason to leave Florida to go to New York, you know, I mean. So his net, conf- you know, kept telling me, hey man, this bird is dead, come on up here. So he came up one summer and uh, he went down to the Bohemia Club and uh, this guy was talking, oh, there's this guy from Florida, Cannonball, blah, blah, blah. So uh, it's so funny to hear that now because Cannonball is such a big name. Yeah, to have someone to think that he was there was a time when he was a know, nobody. People were like, 
Who is this guy? <laughs> yeah, right. Who is this cannonball character? So he went down to uh, the Bohemia Club. Mm-hmm. And this guy that was a bass player, what was his name? I can't think of his name right now. But he was, they were telling him, he, of course, he had the gig there that night. And he, they were telling him, hey, man, there's a guy from Florida support. He was supposed to be a saxophone player, blah, blah, blah. So the guy said, well, okay, I have to give him a shot. He could come up. And they, and they played um, uh, Caravan, I think. Okay. That's a good song. Yeah, somebody yeah. like that. And Cannon got through it. Everybody was like, wow, a new bird in town. And the word got out. Cannonball Alley was a new Charlie Parker, blah, 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 blah. This is my homeboy, you know. So finally, uh, he eventually, that think that next year he moved to New York because he, he was teaching there in Fort Lauderdale. Mm-hmm. He moved to New York and uh, he recorded with Sarah Vaughn and we had we were roommates for a while, you know. And uh, you roommates with Cannonball Alley? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, you know. And. Uh, Cause we were like we were, I was, we were brought up together, man. Me and Nat, he lived at four forty four Pensacola Street, and I lived at four thirty Pensacola Street. Right. You know Pensacola Street. This is in Tallahassee. Tallahassee. Yeah, right I mean, down from the Capitol. Right, I know exactly where that is. Yeah, and that's where we live. Well, at what point did you move to Tallahassee from Fort Myers? Fort Lauderdale. Fort Lauderdale. Fort Lauderdale. I moved to from Fort Lauderdale in forty three. Okay, nineteen forty three. Was that to go to FAMU? Or was that? Yeah, I went to Fam, Fam C. Fam, Fam C. It was a college at that time. Got it, okay. Fam C High School. And the reason I moved because they wanted to close the schools in Fort Lauderdale for kids, black kids, mm-hmm. to pick beans. Okay. And I said, no. Well, they, they wanted to close the schools down. So they, down so they could go to the bean field and pick beans. So they could work. Right. Okay. <laughs> so I said, well, I started writing letters and saying, hey, I wanted yeah. to get out of here. And this. This lady that well uh, was married to my half brother, I mean her daughter was married to my half brother. She said that I could come to Tallahassee and go to school. That was the best move I ever made in my life. That's you know? good. That makes so sense. So we went. To, I went. I attended Fam C High, which is on Florida and M's campus. Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, just natural for me to go, continue to go to college. Right. And so that's what happened. So were you studying music at that time, or no? You, you I was in. At that time, you know, most of the uh, A&Ms and A&Ts and AIs, these mm-hmm. black colleges, uh, uh, land-grant colleges. Right. And they offered trades. Mm-hmm. So at Florida a they had all these trades, tailoring, auto mechanics, electricity, plumbing, printing. I saw this guy uh, working this big uh, cylinder press. He had on a shirt and tie, and he was feeding the press. And I said, oh, that's look kind of interesting. So that's what hooked me, right? You know. So I majored in. I never knew anything about printing man before. I didn't know nothing. So uh, after I got in, after I registered to go take printing, I found out that there was a linotype machine. You could mm-hmm. sit down and set type, and yeah. you know. So it was just exciting. Cool. So that's what I did. I majored, majored in industrial education with a minor in printing. You know. So when you so you kept that on with that when you were living in New York that entire time. Mm-hmm. And so, what would you do when you're not when you weren't working? Were you um, really bit involved in like music scene, or what were you? No, I was just listen, to... man. Cannonball and myself. We mm-hmm. would we would start out at nine or ten o'clock. Mm-hmm. Start up town all the jazz club, and because in the sixties, man, it was late fifties and sixties was music everywhere. There was hope, mm-hmm. you know. There was a big transition that was happening in America. We would start up town at. Smalls, Paradise, 
across the street at Count Basis, listen to all these jazz musicians live. You know, right. $2, a dollar, beer was 50 cents. <laughs> go down to Minton's, from Minton's we go down to Birdland, uh, what was the other clubs, in Midtown. From Midtown we go down in the Village of the Bohemia Club, we go on the East Side. I mean, it was just music, music, music. And we were just trying to close all the clubs and listen to all the jazz and having a ball. Who was your uh, favorite person to see back in that time? Miles Davis. Miles Davis. Well, actually, I didn't really like Miles at the beginning because he always, I was used to guys playing the trumpet, you know, like blasting. Right. Miles always playing in his mute. Mm-hmm. And Callan loved it. I said, man, I don't want to go out and hear this guy whistling in the horn. <laughs> and one night we went down there and he played My Funny Valentine. And I said, I know exactly what you mean, you right. know. And he was a funny guy, and you know, I got a chance to meet him and all that. And we talked who, about music and all, you know. Who was he playing with at that point? He had uh, his own band. Right. Well, I'm trying to think what band that was. That was uh, a band with Philly Joe Jones, okay. Red Garland, Paul Chambers. That's a great. That was, and John Coltrane. That's probably. I think that's probably my favorite group. Of yeah, this, yeah, yeah. But then he changed, and he mm-hmm. got Cannon, and he got Bill right. Evans. This was guy. This guy, you know, most musicians would have been satisfied with that group that he had, yeah, and would have probably had that for the Lakers. But Miles would change the band all together, just change all the personnel and change the music. And people would still say, wow, he's still great. Yep. You that, know, so. That was kind of his whole skill, wasn't it? Was the was his band making. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, he would always say, you know, if I got the right for a rhythm section, I don't even have to show up. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. Yeah, you know. So you you spent uh, all of the sixties pretty much in in New York, mm-hmm. going seeing a lot of seeing jazz, and were you still working as a as a, as a pre- I was time? working as a as a as a my my main job was a linotype operator mm-hmm. printer. So I knew this guy. I met this guy, Symphony Sid, who was a disc jockey in New York. Yeah, you know he had a double do dee dee dee. So at the Village Gate, they had uh, Monday night they were closed, okay. and there was this other guy, Pete Long who was a promoting jazz, and he told me, he said, listen, man, you know, maybe we should take the Monday nights that they're closed and, you know, give them the, the bar and all that, and we just charge tickets right. and, you know, for the entrance at $2. And we started booking shows at the Village Gate on Monday nights. Oh, cool. And it was about jazz and comedy. Oh, really? And okay. we were starving. There <laughs> wasn't anybody coming out. Really? But in New York, they have, uh, they have uh, social groups that play dances and all that. Mm-hmm. So there, there were these Latin guys from uptown in the Bronx. They would come down and say, hey, this is me. You should let the band, we got a band, man, called the Allegro All-Stars. You should let us play down there, man. Child, man, don't nobody. No, man, we big in the Bronx. We could come down. Anyway, we booked them. Mm-hmm. Man, it was so many people that knew at the, uh, <laughs> uh, at the village's gate. They had to call out the fire department because the line was around the corner. Wow. You know, I said, whoa. So we started booking uh, uh, Latin. It's like Boogaloo <laughs> stuff, right? Well, I guess it was. Like Tito Puente or something? Yeah, right. Okay. Right. You call it Boogaloo? Yeah, I guess yeah, that's okay. what they would call it, right? Boogaloo. Um, no, they like, would just like call it. Uh, uh, they would, no, they call it Latin, Latin, Latin jazz. jazz. Right. Yeah, you know. But these guys, man, and they were all unknown. Mm-hmm. And man, they. Phew, the place went crazy with all these people coming down to see us. So what happened to see them, rather? <clears throat> so uh, what happened is that uh, we started booking jazz and comedy. Mm-hmm. Bill Cosby just had moved to town. 
Okay. Around the street, around the corner at the, at the gate. I mean, not at, the, not at the village gate. The place called what was the name of that place? Uh, I can't think of it right now. Right. But he would come down to try to slip in on Monday night, slip and I in. said, "No, no, no, give me two dollars." <laughs> so then they would ask, you know, the guy would ask, "Guy, who is this guy?" Yeah, he's a comedian. He just walking, just moved to town from Philadelphia, and he's working at the. Oh, I almost called the name of it, but anyway. We became friends because he likes sports. Okay. We used to talk about basketball, football. You're a big sports fan? Yeah. So uh, I told him, I said, well, you know, after a while, I would tell him, hey, man, go inside and tell those guys they can't be smoking marijuana. (laughs) You know, you can't do this. So he would come around with his press clippers in his pocket. Right. Hey, look what I did in Connecticut. (laughs) (laughs) Connecticut? Weird. Saturday night? How big was the place? Oh, it was a coffee house. They had about 50 people. <laughs> I sold it out. Stop it. <laughs> I said, well, listen, would you like to work a night at the Village Gate? Because at that time, unless you had a name or something, mm-hmm. you didn't work in New York City. Okay. You know. So he said, yeah, yeah, I'd like to get a shot, you know. So anyway, I hired him and Mongo Santa Maria. Oh, yeah, Mongo, yeah. For $200. Wow, that's a cool lineup. And I lost money. I had oh. to pay him off in quarters. Mongo Santa Maria and Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby. Lost money. And the next day he said, well, listen, man, I'm going to California. I said, yeah, well, lots of luck. <laughs> he came back. He said, I'm going to see a TV series. What? Doing what? I'm going to be a cop. A cop? Who are you going to arrest in the 60s? They just took Nat King Cole off and all that. He said, I played the piano. He said, no, I'm going to arrest anybody. You know, I'm a, what's the name of the show? I Spy. Mm-hmm. So that's what happened with him. And that's how I came out here. So what year was that? It was probably... It was like 64, 64, 65. Okay, and that's when, that's when Bill moved out to L.A. Mm-hmm. And you just... That I came out in 66. So that kind of planted the seed for you, him moving? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was the best move I ever made in my life. So you moved out here mm-hmm. in 66, out yeah. to L.A. Yeah. And that was to do to be an actor? To actor, yeah. Cool. You know, I thought... But actually, I didn't know anything about TV and mm-hmm. movies and all that stuff. But I had heard about, you know, being an understudy. Right. So he asked me... Uh, he said, well, maybe you can be my extra. I thought extra, a uh, stand-in, uh-huh. was like an understudy. Right. You know, but then, you know what stand-in is about. I said, no, I want to act. Because uh-huh. I had gone to this school. I, my last address in New York was on Bank Street, 100 Bank Street. Okay. And right down the street from 100 Bank Street was this fabulous acting school, Herbert Berghoff School of Acting. And I went in because now I've known, met all these weird musicians. And everybody had a, was a character. Right. You know, so I went to this class and this woman asked me to come up and improv. And I started imitating all these musicians. And she, she freaked. <gasps> how do you do? How, how did you do? Learn to do this. Do what? What you doing? <laughs> I'm just imitating these guys I know. <laughs> oh, that's action. Oh, really? Well, maybe I should get paid. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so that's what I called Bill about coming out here to work with him and all that, you know. He asked me, oh, you remember the union? Nope. Well, let me get back to you. i see what's happening. That's what he did, and I came out and yeah, I am. You're listening to Twisting the Wham with Johnny Pemberton on the Feral Audio Network. Yeah. Who's there? What the hell is going on here? Who's there? What? What are you talking about, man? Didn't you hear that super loud, scary sound that just interrupted the radio? Oh, uh, yeah, it did. It's actually going to keep happening until people donate. <laughs> uh, you mean there's going to be scary fart sounds 
playing all the time until people donate to Feral Audio? Goddamn right, that's gonna keep happening. You hear it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, please, please donate. This is not a sustainable situation, audio-wise. This is uh, it's pretty bad right now. Uh, just, I'm I'm very scared. I'm just genuinely very frightened right now. Please donate. PayPal. Uh, God, credit cards are fine. I think it's all fine. You can even. It's just—it's not going to stop, is it? No way, man! Okay. Radio explosions. Okay, uh, maybe we'll try to play some music over this. Uh, feral audio. So, um, I've been uh, studying the guitar for seven years. Then <laughs> 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 I did this CD, uh, me singing. Uh-huh. You know. And that's happening now, so yeah, man, this this town is fabulous. So just doing the music and act because you can do that. You can do that here. You can be a musician and an actor. Yeah. You can do you know, as an actor. You can do anything time. in yeah. Hollywood. You know, I mean, I got in at the right time, you know, and uh, that was the sixties. But in New York, man, in the sixties, it was so much talent. Mm-hmm. I mean, on every level, there was Kennedy was the president, right? Making babies in the White House, <laughs> wearing shop, you know, Cuber. <laughs> he was a shop dresser. Do you feel a, like some of that some of that era's come back with Obama? Do you feel like it's a similar sort of vibe right now, or no? We didn't have as much hate then. Mm-hmm. Then we had hope. Okay. Okay. I think there's more. There's less of that now. Yeah, know? there's less hope and more hate. Really, man, <laughs> that's hard. You know, Clinton. Brought right. it up a little, you know what I mean? And now uh, Obama, but it's a lot of hate, man. You know, we had hope when, when Kennedy was the president, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, we, were, we were proud of him, you know, because he was saying, you know, if you go to Cuba, <laughs> we're going to do this, blah, blah, blah. And uh, he, was, he was all right. Then they started killing everybody, mm-hmm. you know, his, him, his brother, mm-hmm. then Malcolm, then uh, Martin. Mm-hmm. I went on the march in Washington, and you know that was something. Yeah. I mean to see. I drove from New York down to Washington. You know, early that morning. Right. And man, you had never seen so many ragged cars going to Washington. <laughs> <laughs> but people chugging along. So I was one of the first ones that got there uh-huh. at where they had the where was it. Uh, where he made this speech. What know? was that? Uh, isn't that the Lincoln Memorial? Yeah, yeah. that big space. Uh, yeah. The... So when I got there, wasn't there hardly anybody? I said, oh, this is going to be a bust. Right. One of the first guys I saw was Will Chamberlain. Wow. Coming okay. across this little hill. I mm-hmm. said, wow, look at you with the chain. Then Bill Russell, you know. Yeah. And then, all oh, man, all these buses from down south and all that, you know, they started coming in. The next thing, it was thousands of people. Mm-hmm. And they started making these, Lena Horn got up and made a speech. Her speech was, freedom! Bap! That was it? That was it. <laughs> well, if Lena Horn says that, yeah, that sounds pretty good. I mean, yeah. She could say just about anything. I think yeah, I right, at that time anyway. But yeah, man, those were some great times, the 60s. And mm-hmm. now things have been on the decline since they started killing all these people. What do you think is, uh, what do you think's behind that? Why do you think that's the case? What? Like, why, you said that, there's so much hate now as opposed to the hope that there was around when you, in the 60s. When well, you the up. hate, what, what caused all the hate? 
Why is there so much hate on the planet now? There's all these great people you're talking about got assassinated for, for basically saying all these, uh, saying yeah. things that people didn't want to hear. Well, right? maybe integration had something to do with it. Mm-hmm. You know, there were people that really wasn't ready to change. So where were you when the integration was going on? New York. New York? Yeah. Because well, in New York, it wasn't as... Uh, well, no, they had they were they were rallying. They had people that were right. speaking against uh, racism, etc., so forth. Malcolm X, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it was everything was on the was changing, mm-hmm. but we had hope, you know, as opposed to now it has changed. You you most of these streets, Martin Luther, Martin Luther King Avenues, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, they they like derelict kind of. You know, I mean, right. it's, it's not too cool. There's not like you don't think there's like the communities aren't. Um, they don't feel like there's any uh, hope as far as changing things or moving up or making it better. Mm-mm. And another thing happened too. The wars kept people, you know, we always thought that after the Second World War, mm-hmm. you got England and Russia with your allies right. and all that. After the war, Russia didn't like you. <laughs> and uh-huh. they're talking about doing it. Then here come Korea. You say, okay. Then after Korea, Vietnam, you say, wait a minute. Somebody's making some money on this. Right. You know, and people started losing faith. Mm-hmm. And they were saying, "Wait a minute! These politicians are talking all this talk, but this money being made and people dying." Yeah, people, you know. people are making a lot of money off war. Right. Yeah. Exactly. War profit. You know, yeah. so you lost confidence. You know, I mean, we we had hope, and the hope after they killed all these people, mm-hmm. you know, we're talking all this integration and all that right. stuff. Now it's like, okay. Everybody on his on your own, <laughs> you know. So you feel like that's what that's a big change now is the, mm-hmm. the way politics works now is there's more pressure. Well, on the see, individual. I mean, I, I guess what it is during that time they had better actors. Okay, politicians just a great actor. They uh-huh. sit up and talk and say this and I do that and blah blah. Now you can look right through these politicians. Man, man you come on, you don't mean that. Yeah, you can see. You're not, you're not, you're not acting right. You're Mm -hmm. not acting properly, man. You know what I mean? No, that's a no, no. That ain't true. That ain't right. Who was like the first politician you remember thinking that about? About just someone's just totally full of shit. Nixon. Nixon. (laughs) (laughs) There's not a stretch. Yeah. (laughs) Nixon. Uh, What we usually say all the time. I forgot the word. Um, I'm not a crook. Something like that. Yeah. But yeah, he was the was first the guy thing. that said, no, no, Tricky Dick, that ain't it. Right. <laughs> tricky Dick. <laughs> you know, you know, so, uh, but the Republicans always been kind of weird, mm-hmm. you know. I think that's that's the nicest thing anyone's ever said about them is kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> Usually there's a, other other words reserved for. Yeah, I know, you know I know. Kind of weird. That's. Uh, but Clinton was cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, he did all right. He loved him. People loved him, yeah. You know, and uh, then this other guy came in before Obama. Mm-hmm. I like that. Call him just th- this other guy. Yeah. <laughs> Don't even use his name. Just call him this other guy. This other guy, <laughs> man. Everybody said, yeah. "How's this guy gonna win a second election, man?" Oh yeah, it's so that's when they find out. Oh, it's money. Yeah, it's something. Oh, that something's going on there. Oh, I see. All right, be quiet. Mm-hmm. And. Obama came along and said, I said, well, I know that ain't going to happen. <laughs> so what did you think when it did happen? What did you think when he... Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You know, look at this. Wow. Now I could die in peace. I never that... thought I'd see anything like that. Really? 
you know. And then after that, I mean, after he came in the office and people started going against the guy, mm -hmm. and I said, don't they remember that the man came in the office with the country in the showers? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, we owed all kind of money. This guy was spending money like crazy. They were, one time they were talking about impeaching the dude. Mm -hmm. And now you're supposed to change all that in four years, right? Yeah. Obama. Good luck. Yeah. Say, okay, all right, do some magic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like they expect so much of him just because he, because yeah, he, because of the way he campaigned. It's like unreasonable expectations of, yeah, of a man. I know. When he yeah. made that speech at the at the Democratic convention, mm -hmm. I said, this guy got something. Yeah. You know, he got something. Very impressive. Yeah, you know, so now I don't know what's going on. It's, it's sad because this used to be one of the greatest. It may, it's probably still is one of the yeah. greatest countries on the planet Earth to be to be a part of. You know. What do you think is a change in America besides like politics? What do you think is like like you say like it used to be such a great country and you feel like it's things have changed? What, what else do you think is behind that aside from money? Just just sort of greediness in general. Money. See. And before we had love, mm -hmm. and love is the key, but everybody thinks it's money, right? And I'm, you know, in Hollywood, you see guys come from nothing and get rich, right? And then the real, you know, Bill Russell once said that money does one thing: it brings out what's already in you. Okay. <laughs> if you're a schmuck when you broke, you get some money, you're gonna really be a schmuck, schmuck. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so I'm saying that money has, you know, everybody is so greedy. Mm -hmm. Everybody want gimme, gimme, gimme. It's no love, man. Because in the forties, when I came along, nobody really had. I, I was born in the depression, mm -hmm. you know, and they thought that all the kids that were born in the thirties would probably be dead before they reached ten years old. But you said you when you, you didn't realize you were even poor until you were no, <laughs> no. I mean, you, you this... know, because we had love. Uh -huh. Frank the FDR, Franklin Roosevelt even said, "Yay." Uh, no one will dare attack us in the Japanese blowing up Pearl Harbor. <laughs> well, but he could—he was a hell of a speaker, mm -hmm. you know. During that time, FDR and Joe Lewis, Joe Lewis, yeah. what black people really love, Franklin Delano and Mrs. Roosevelt. Really? Yeah, you know they were. We thought we had friends with them. Mm -hmm. But after that, you say, uh oh, <laughs> you know. But things are right. Things gonna work out okay. Are you into? Do you like take part in any sort of technology at all? Internet? Are you on the? Yeah, I have the a internet. Yeah, I'm on the internet. You know what happened is that I was I always denounced the internet because I figured, hey man, I don't have time to be sitting in begging <laughs> and all this stuff, and. I was on the verge of doing this CD. Mm -hmm. And people would say, well, listen, you know, things ain't like, like you used to be. You don't do records like you used to. Yeah. You need the internet, you know? So I said, okay, I'll go get me an internet and try to work it out. But what turned me off, and it still does, everybody that has a, a computer, they always, oh, wait a minute, oh, it went out, oh, you know, and they sit there for hours. I said, I don't have that kind of time. You know, I'm a moving person. I like to move around. But, excuse me, <clears throat> but um, everybody, you know, was saying that uh, the computer was the key. And it probably is, mm -hmm. but it's difficult because they change it. You get a, a computer today, 
four years later, it's out of date. Oh, yeah, if, if not even two years after. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I'm saying, wait a minute. So I figure, I said, okay, they're talking about the, the million uh, calendar. Right. The Mayan, yeah, the Mayan. How you say it? I guess Mayan. The Mayan, Mayan. They said 2012 and December 12, 2012 is over. Are you ready for it? Well, my my world is over anyway. Right. Because most of the guys that came up with me, they are no longer here. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the things that I I go into the neighborhood, I'm saying, what? I go to my hometown and I'm lost. Right. You know, because. People used to say, do not build in South Florida. Do not build homes in the Everglades because the, the soil, the, the earth is not that strong and it'll do this. And, man, people say, money, are you kidding me? They built out there and now the houses are being destroyed. Then there was a time and uh, on the beach, they said, well, no, you can never build a, a skyscraper in Fort Lauderdale because huh. the sand, you know, the earth cannot uh, support it. Now they have 30 of them. Now you go to the Fort Lauderdale beach and they're 30 story buildings, I mean, like for miles. Right. And I'm saying, what? But see, that's different. In Los Angeles, people have some kind of conscience about nature. You think so? I think so. Right. More so than the rest of the country. Right. Because so it's all like the whole organic movement and what that kind yeah. of thing, you think? Yeah, it's more awareness about nature mm -hmm. in Los Angeles, I think, than any place in America. That's pretty good. I never, never thought about that one. You know, because they feel as if, no, we're going to just leave this like it is. Mm -hmm. Don't do this. Because if this was Florida, I mean, every hotel or every on the on the beachfront, it would be 30-story buildings, mm -hmm. man. Like in Miami, Fort Lauderdale. Yeah, you know, I go back home and I'm saying, no, this ain't this ain't right. But what can you do? It's money, baby. Right, money moves everything. <laughs> when was the first time you went back to your hometown after you uh, left your left when you were? I guess people started left? to die. My relatives started dying right. and all that. And I had to go back to Norman's and all that because I was, I was doing great in New York. Yeah, having the time of my life, you know. And I would go back down there and I would see changes. You know, and I was saying, wow, man, the civil rights bill has passed, but I don't know. I don't know whether it's good or bad. So you don't see, you felt like in Florida it didn't make, have as much of an effect as in other places? Well, you know, guys used to say, there used to be when it was divided, and I'm not advocating that it should be divided. Mm -hmm. I think the civil rights should be civil rights, and it's probably working. I hope it does. But <clears throat> there were guys, you know, when you had, we had our own little community. Mm hmm and we had hope. Right. You had colored town. Right. You go across the tracks. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> we had, you know, we were building it up. Mm -hmm. So civil rights came in, guys tried to make loans, and they, now they got to be competitive, competitive with the white guy. Right. Everybody. They can't compete. Right, because it, it just changed the stakes. It changed yeah, like your that. guy can't make a loan because he's competing with another guy who's have $100,000 mm -hmm. to do whatever he has to do, and he's looking to make some more money. Right. This guy that's trying to get a loan only got $2,000, <laughs> you know. So but if it was divided, and I'm not advocating that this shouldn't, it should be divided and right. all that, but I'm just saying that it did something to us. Because, it, yeah, it's, it just sort of changed the game for everything. Yeah, yeah, it just... And that that was do you think that's the case was the case everywhere or just sort of in smaller like more rural communities like in the, in Florida? So. No, it's the same. Listen, man, Harlem. When civil rights came along, they 
they went through all of the seem like to me they went through the through the hood and changed all the street names and the main streets were no longer main street. Okay. They destroyed it. Now it's no main drag for black. You know, I used to go home and go to Fifth Avenue. Uh-huh. Or go to Miami, go to Second Avenue. Uh-huh. That ain't no longer. You know, everything is 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 mixed now. Uh-huh. You know, you don't have no place for people to really just say, hey man, this is the way we are. Uh-huh. You know, we had we had hope in trying to build up these little communities. Because it's a community of your own people and it's yeah. you take, yeah, take pride you know, in. Yeah. yeah, man. And we had pride. Mm-hmm. But now you're competing with billionaires. Yeah. You know, they came through and distorted everything, man. So, But if there's a war or calamity or something, we all get very close. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very quickly, too. Very quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, because and that's the way, that's the way it's supposed to be. But you know, people started saying, well, you know, I got money and I got this and I don't. Okay, lots of luck. Yeah. But we all down here together, brother. We in the same boat. <laughs> you rock one of Louis Armstrong said that fought 60 years ago. We're all in the same boat? We in the same boat, brother. You rock one end, you're going to rock the other. Mm-hmm. Did you ever get a chance to meet him at all? Louis Armstrong? Yeah. No, I, but I knew everybody else. Uh-huh. No pops, I never got. I, I knew Dizzy knew it well. I knew right. Dizzy extremely well. I knew Miles. See, I'm telling you, man, I knew all the cats. You knew all of them. Everybody. I, did you ever uh, run in with Bill Evans at all? Yeah, so I remember a, when he first came to New York. Mm-hmm. Shy, he was a shy guy. Then he started hanging out with Philly Joe. Right. You know, and he would always he could play, man, but he was shy. And then he started coming out. Well, New York could do that to you. Cause he got, but he he wasn't into drugs until he met. <coughs> I think I don't I don't know his story that well, but didn't Bill Evans? He was he was a heroin user, right? For a he while. used drugs, they said, mm-hmm. you know, and because uh, he was hanging out with Philly. Yeah, and so Philly Philly Joe Jones. Yeah, he he was close to Philly. Yeah, and Philly was close to Buddy Rich. Okay. <laughs> Buddy Rich man was woo. You ever hear that guy play drums? Yeah, it's pretty incredible. <laughs> Awesome. But you know, I mean, I feel this way. You know, if you got so much talent and you should expose it to yourself, why, why not? You know, if you want to have, have fun and feel good about yourself. Yeah, I don't really think, I think there's a lot of like vilifying of uh, jazz musicians because of the drug culture. And a lot of people like use it. I think it's almost like a, it's like a, this weird form of racism because it's like people will talk about jazz musicians, but oh, they're, they're all on drugs. Like, no. And, and yeah, you're right. You're right. Sometimes they were, but some of, some of the best stuff that, uh, John Coltrane recorded and Miles Davis recorded. They were they were sober. That I know. Stuff. It was like the- John Coltrane was one of the strongest men I've ever known in my life. Mm-hmm. John Coltrane used to drink and use drugs. Mm-hmm. He stopped all that. Yeah. And started eating Hershey bars. That's right. Yeah. He got he <laughs> ate so much candy bars and messed up his teeth. He right? did yeah. all that. Yeah, uh-huh. man. He was something, you know. But then they found out that you know some of the elitists, the kings and the queens, right. they were always one on one. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, because we have the money to do anything we want to do. Yeah, so they were smoking. And yeah, they, they, they didn't know how. But see, they would use it. Uh, they wasn't, wasn't so hoggish about it. Yeah, it wasn't so, you it wasn't know. like tawdry, it wasn't like hidden. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, it was just, and there were guys, you know, that was actors. Uh-huh. Philly Joe would go to see, what's this guy's name? I can't think of his name at all. But he was knowing the guy was high. Looking at them in his movies. Yeah, he's, he's high. high. <laughs> yeah, yeah, look at him. You know, he talking. Uh, what was that guy's name? I don't know. I mean, he was a notorious. He was like a. 
he was one of these monster kind of actors. Uh, mm. Played these monster roles. Uh, I can't think of the guy's name right now. What but. movies was he in? Or what was he in? Any movies? Oh uh, yeah, I can't even think of the movie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, but he, what was that guy's name? Uh, I think there's probably a lot of that going on though. I think a lot. Of oh yeah, you know, but seeing movies and actors, they can afford. Yeah, you can afford to do it. Yeah, you know, you can stay home and get ripped. Yeah. So did but, you ever dabble with that when you're hanging out with jazz guys, or uh, even when you were acting? In well, the yeah, I dabble a little bit, but I right. knew when to stop. Okay, yeah. You know that's the key mm -hmm. when you've had enough, and that's enough. And it didn't really do anything for me because I was, what? you know, Miles just asked me, "Why is it that you always look like you are? And you just drink beer." <laughs> <laughs> I said, "Well, I was born high. <laughs> I came out, yeah, you know, but." Uh, some guys, man, and they can't handle all that. Yeah. You know, I mean, being accepted as being the greatest and people are bowing to you and all that. And you say, wait a minute, I'm just a guy, farm guy from Wherever, Timbuktu. Kansas City or something. You know? But, yeah. I mean, success, man, it's hard for, for most people. It's hard to deal with. Mm -hmm. I had a little bit of it. I had a series called Easy Street. Right. And, man, phew, one night I woke up in a cold sweat. Really? Why am I making all this money? <laughs> why am I, why are all these people coming at me? Why me? Uh -huh. You know, but success is hard. That'll get you on drugs faster than anything. Yeah, because it's, it's especially if you're one of those kind of people that are, that are uh, not really outgoing. Mm-hmm. You know, some people you know they just like to be themselves, quiet and so all. It brings that. you out. It's yeah, like, it brings you, gives you a little you get bit addicted more. Addicted to that. Yeah. yeah. Mm. You know, but um, yeah, it doesn't so. really help you any, other than that, or maybe have a bit of a more of a of a challenge to go and talk to people to do things that you wouldn't ordinarily do. Mm -hmm. You know, but uh, a lot of those guys were shy because you know most great musicians, man. They started out as children, as kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, really young. And a lot of them went into music and all that because they were maybe they weren't strong enough to be out playing, running, and jumping like kids do. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's how I like. I got into music when I was younger because I wasn't athletic at all. So yeah, you know, like yeah, you can't. little boys, especially man. Some of them had asthma and stuff. Mm -hmm. They couldn't be running and jumping and acting. Up. So moms, you know, if they can afford to have you to play the piano or get you a horn or whatever, then you know. And now you've just been practicing. Now you're great and everybody, oh, and you made a minute. Whoa, Whoa. I can't handle it. That was like Bill Evans. He yeah. couldn't handle all that. So he said, wait a minute, man, I'm just playing the piano. Mm -hmm. You know, all these women coming after me and all these people, are, whoa, whoa, I can't handle it. Yeah. But take this. <laughs> <laughs> right, he got into he he got into heroin, right? That was his thing for a while. I think so. Yeah, some of those guys. I mean, that that was the main thing. Most of those guys had a big problem with, right? Was heroin? I mean, well, it started out with marijuana. Marijuana, but that did that ever like was that ever a big problem for anyone, or was more just? Well, see, and I remember the time, man, that marijuana. Nobody would use smoking marijuana. Mm -hmm. most, most people didn't even know what it was. Right. It used to, in Florida, it would grow wow. Right. You know, guys would go to New York or Philadelphia and come back and say, man, you know, and go and pick up some weed uh -huh. on a railroad track right. and be smoking it on the corner. And the cops uh -huh. come up, how much you smoking? Oh, this is a new cigarette, sir. It's a <laughs> oh, jazz yeah. cigarette. Yeah, it's just a new <laughs> cigarette. Oh, but it smells kind of weird. Wow. I can't <laughs> you know, imagine. That'd be amazing. You know, but that, because everybody want to 
see, I guess it's, it's, it's nature. Human nature is you want to get higher and higher. Right. The epitome of high is death. Mm-hmm. That's the highest you can get. Is <gasps> the closer you are to death, yeah. Right. So you start out with marijuana. Mm-hmm. Then you started, well, okay, man, maybe you should do a little coke. Mm-hmm. Then that stopped working. Then maybe you should shoot it. Right. And now you, we got you. We got you now, baby. Yeah. And here come crack. That's drugs. We just sum up. We just summarized drugs. We got it now. We, okay. We figured it out. That was it. <laughs> people, people are listening, trying to figure out what drugs are. That we just described them. Yeah, but I think you know anything that is natural. You know, marijuana grows wild. It man. does. Same with crack. No, it doesn't crack. No, <laughs> you have to make coke. You have to make heroin. You right. have to make all this other stuff. Grass just grows like grass. Right. And in Africa. Very seldom you see a drunk African because they only drink palm wine. Mm -hmm. And you need to drink a gallon of palm wine to get a buzz. Most of those guys smoke grass. Right. You know, I mean, they out there herding their cows and say, yeah, you know, with the long reed and all that. (laughs) You know, they're just cool. They're doing that thing. You know, but alcohol came along because they could control people. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Make some alcohol. <clears throat> Excuse me. Make some alcohol, and you drink this, and you get. But you can't function on alcohol. Not the same. No, alcohol make you. It brings you down. It's stupid. Stupid. Yeah. With grass, you can kind of like function. Mm-hmm. You know, you can. If you if you uh, uh, one of those guys who has a great imagination and all that, you know, I mean, grass can enhance that. You started hearing things and, mm-hmm. you know, and say, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that's cool. Puts you in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but not- that's about as high as you can get. Yeah. The rest of that stuff, man, is you in a stupor. You can't function, you know. Alcohol. I think alcohol kills more people than grass ever will. I think alcohol is probably the most destructive drug you know, in the And a lot of guys yeah. would use that. Oh, it's legal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's killing you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's legal. You, this stuff you're doing is not legal. Right. It's like, yeah, like, like it matters at all. Like, has it, <laughs> it has anything to do with what, what, it, what it does to you, the, the law surrounding it, yeah. Yeah, you know. That's what's so funny now is always, you know, in California here, weed is essentially legal for the most part. It's so... It's yeah, so easy to get, and it's so You go down commonplace. south, man. They get, in Texas, they got guys doing 20 years yeah. of having a bag of... A, a bag come of on, man. It's ridiculous. Stop it. Yeah, it's got to change soon. I don't know. I don't know. That's why, you know, I'm not advocating that you everybody should be drug addicts and smoke marijuana. Right. But this state, California, is one of the most liberal and fair states I've ever been in. For me as a minority. Right. I mean, me too. I can say the same thing. You know, I mean, the rest of these people are, what? Mm-hmm. They, they like, they think in a tunnel with, mm-hmm. you know, blinders on or something. Don't tell me anything. No, right, 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 But I got a bumblebee. But I got a rumble key. Chitty chitty gotta go
Thank you for thank you for conducting Amazon. My name is. May I have your name, please? Yeah, I got my name. I got fucking bugs on my computer right now. I got every time I clicked on there, I get a bug, and it keeps popping up, and I can't. Have you done this? Um. Okay, sorry. Can you explain me what he, what is happening? Okay, I, I'm looking on here, Peter. I got freaking bugs running around on the front of it. There's freaking bugs on the. They're they're not. They're behind the glass on the computer. Okay, I can see these bugs running, ripping around in there. One's biting up a folder. Folder says. Um. But what? Let me see if I understand. So you're having issues with the computer? Oh hell yeah! This has got these freaking bugs running around. I just they're running all up in here like crazy now. Okay, so just tell me something. I'll, okay, I'm right. Are here. you using a? Yes, are you using a Mac computer or a PC? I don't know. What kind of name is that? What country are you in right now? My own question. I will stop after that doing questions. Um, I live in Costa Rica. Costa Rica? Damn. You don't sound like you got a Spanish accent, though, do you? You speak Spanish normal? Yes. Oh, wow. That's pretty good, I gotta say. Costa Rica. They got plenty of sloths down there, her. You ever touch touch a sloth? Just what? A sloth. Them them lazy critters up in the tree only come down to shit. You know about them? They move real slow. Uh, a sloth. S-L-O-T-H. Sloth. Oh, no. <laughs> they uh, they can be dangerous. So. Are you kidding me? Are you telling me right now a sloth is dangerous? How the hell is that true? That's like telling me a tire is dangerous. Or like, mm, a, like a piece of bamboo. They, or a shoe. Well, they they have... No, they, they have a lot of... Uh, Bacteria? Yeah, and also the um, how do you how do you call them the, the claws? Yeah, but they move so damn slow. So you tell me what that sloth's gonna do is use its claws on you and rub bacteria upon you to kill you? I don't find that true. None other than nothing I even said before. <laughs> You've been hurt by a sloth. You know anybody who's been hurt by a sloth? No, but I mean, we never touched them. If for some reason they fell from 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 the tree, so we try to put them in the tree again using sticks, like sticks. Bait? What yeah. kind of bait did you use? But not with the. Hmm? What kind of bait did you use? What kind of bait? Hmm. You know, you said you trying to use them, get them back up in the tree with bait. With um, sticks. Sticks? Okay. How come we didn't just pick them up? <laughs> just because ta- I told you, it's like... Because of the bacteria. Maybe it's like... Yeah. Do you ever think about this? It's like the bacteria in the yogurt that's a beneficial bacteria? But that is a good one. Yeah, damn right it is. <laughs> Next time you see a sloth on the ground, I'd recommend thinking about that. Now, wouldn't you? <laughs> There's a lot of people in here in America who would pay good money. I'm talking about high-quality silver coin, gold coin, 
that so much as look at a sloth in the eye for a minute. And you're telling me you had a free experience to touch, interact, and hold a sloth like a newborn baby. And you didn't... I, there's, there's people who will cry. People who would sell their... Give away a car for the chance to interact with a sloth like a newborn baby. They would lick well. it. I know a woman who would lick a sloth's butthole. She really would. She would lick the butthole. They, they are slow, but they are strong. Oh, yeah. I've heard that before. Slow yet strong. So what's it going to do? Strangle you? Well, actually... <laughs> With the claws, uh, they can uh, make like high pressure on your arm or in your fingers, so it could be dangerous. So they could basically, what you're saying is a sloth, if you allowed a sloth, it would just tear your chest open and rip your heart out. <laughs> Not like that, I don't think so, but... And also that they are like mm, really afraid from people, so oh, they really? can being like really nervous if you try to touch them. Okay, so you're telling me they're going to let out like a screech and holler, like a <laughs> and then that that's a pre-warning, and then they'll just rip and tear at you like some kind of a a rip, a rip nut? I guess. I, I still think what you should have done is to either taken that sloth home with you, fed it, you know, whatever sloth eats, like little bugs and probably like mango skin and fingernail clippings, and then you when you get it up, get it up real good and strong. You put it back up on that tree. I heard what people done sometimes is bathe them in green tea. You ever heard about this? No. Oh, they bathe them in green tea. Mm. They bathe them up real. Oh, this this I got a bug on my computer still. I bet a sloth would like to eat that. You ever heard of weather bug or gator? Um, no. You got gators down there? You got anything like alligators or crocodilly? Oh, yeah. Alligators, yeah. What do you think about them, huh? Would you pet one of them or would you more... What are you more scared of, a sloth or an alligator? Well, from the alligator because the alligator can go... <laughs> can go after me, but the sloth will not do it. The sloth will not do it. But it could, right? I heard that got this wicked speed. Like a sloth will wait its entire life to do a one-minute speed burst. It's faster than anything you've ever seen in your entire life. It's like a poof. You heard about this? No. Oh, well, the thing with the sloths is that they can move, like, only in the trees. Uh -huh. In the ground, they are really, like, really dumb. They Do you say they're dumb? Very difficult. It's really difficult for them to move in this in the the ground. In the ground, they yes, they can do it good, but in the trees. Yeah, only they're only good at moving in the trees. Well, I, that is true, unless they're using that speed burst. So let's say your average sloth, middle-aged sloth, about forty years old, right? This sloth's been saving up forty years of energy for a one-minute speed burst, and they've never seen this in the wild because it goes so GD fast. You can't see the sloth; it's like a bullet. It'll just bullet itself for one minute. And think about how, how fast does a bullet travel, like a 1,000 miles an hour? So what happens is this bullet, one minute of a 1,000 is one sixtieth of a 1,000. So that's probably going to shoot that sloth by like fucking 30 miles in one minute. Just and it'll relocate. But they never do it. 
never seen been never seen have been done. But they know they know it's true because they got these radio tags on sloths. Next thing you know, wait a second, did this just get attached to a bullet? Nope, sloth sloth speed. <laughs> it's not funny. It's true. I didn't know that they could. Um, I, know. I didn't know that they could. Seriously, once you get off work today, ask your friends if they've ever heard about this sloth speed. They save it up. They save up the energy. It's like a rubber band. It gets tighter and tighter the longer it's pulled. And if they choose to, they will explode that energy. And typically, it's at the moment of their death. Oh. Did you know that? When a sloth dies, when a sloth dies, it's like a, gr it's like a grenade exploding. It just freaking shoots like bullet time, bullet speed out of a tree just real fast. And that's how only, it's a shame because they never find a living sloth because they basically, right seconds before they die, they use up that bullet time and they just go whoosh. So their dead body just flies like a, like a massive potato, just flying through the air as fast as a bullet. Hello? Yes, I'm here. What's your, what's your reading right there? What is my what? What's your are you reading something? I just you were very quiet. Oh no, I'm not reading. I just listening to you. Okay, I wasn't talking though when that quiet happened. I was being quiet. Um. Okay. So, I was thinking about what you say about this lot. Makes sense, don't it? Actually, I'm trying to imagine it. Okay, well, here's Imaginate. Tree, sloth, sloth's about to die. It's thinking, okay, I've only got a minute left here to live. Might as well use up this energy I've had been saving my entire life. Flips the switch in its brain, and that sloth just explodes like it got shot out of a catapult made of a giant gun. And it just its final minute of death is this exhilarating... Magical sky coaster, roller coaster ride where it's just fucking going. And that's that's how that's what they do, but you never see it because it's so fast, and they always only die at nighttime. So, if only they could use that during the daytime, maybe like a minute, like a second at a time, they would say they could stagger out that energy. That's what the alligator stole from the sloth. Did you know that? Mm -mm. Well, that's what they did. The alligator stole that speed burst from the sloth, but they, they're better at using it. Sloth's not so good at it. Oh, okay. Well, you, um, you work on that, okay? Okay. What else is going What's going on tonight? Um, okay, so... Huh? You were calling. Okay, so you were calling because bugs. you had a problem, right? I got fucking bugs on my computer. Bugs on your computer. Bugs. Okay. Behind the glass. And do you use Windows or you use Mac? I use Mac. Mac. Okay. So, and did you already call Apple support? Oh, I didn't. Should I call them? Oh, I should call them, huh? Um, if you want to, I can transfer you to the right apartment, okay? Okay, do that. But do that. Say something really crazy real quick. Ready? Three, two, one, go. <gasps> yeah, that will be that will be fast. 
Say something real, real crazy right now. Mm. Hey, you ever? What's that? What's that word when they say like you know you got to concentrate really hard? Or what's the thing on the camera? The thing that makes the the picture come in so it's not blurry. I have no idea. Okay, the, there's a ring on a camera that makes the picture not blurry. What's that called? Um, the flash? No, it makes it so it's not blurry, you know, so it looks like nice and clean. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? What about like, um, you know, if you study really hard, you know about studying? What's Bacchus. that called? Say that again. Bacchus. Oh, Okay. Oh, one more time, please. No, you. Okay, you go ahead. You go ahead and say that to me, huh? I, I get it. I get it. I get when I'm wanted and not wanted. Okay, let's get a transfer on here. Okay. Okay. What's What's gonna happen later tonight? Thank you for listening to Twisting the Wind. It's been a good one. It's been a pretty good episode. Kind of a mellow one. I'll be coming back soon with some, uh, maybe some, I don't know, some high-profile guests. Probably uh, some talk. We're going to talk about some bowel issues coming up here, which I know a lot about. Uh, Also, please, please donate, okay? Can you please donate to the podcast? I know it seems like it's not important. And what little... Okay, we're not public radio here. We're not a bunch of... We're not sitting in some ivory tower eating a... Please visit our website. Fairlawyer.com is an artist-friendly podcast collective. Hosted by castmates.fm. Host your own podcast at castmates.fm today. All of our artists reserve the rights to their materials. Your donations directly support your favorite artists, help pay for their show's production, and keep your favorite shows free. Visit fairlaudio.com for other original shows and learn about our community of artists that help make this collective possible. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Features the music of the fancy. We are the fancy. Don't the United States government, it is the mission of the National Security Agency to assess and flag citizens of the country who may present a threat to its security. <laughs> the NSA has clearance to wiretap by any means necessary. Tapped. Incidental recordings of private conversations from the files of the NSA. Now on feralaudio.com.